DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Time to talk NBA playoffs. Time to talk jazz and nuggets. Overtime with Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. He joins us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Shane, good morning. Good morning, guys. How about you? How are you doing? Good. Well, we just had a really entertaining NBA playoff game. Obviously, the wrong team won. But aside from that, uh, it was it was a really good game. It was really entertaining, back and forth. And obviously, uh, Donovan Mitchell impressed everybody with 57 points in the overtime game. But I'm curious, is there one portion of that that stood out to you? Is there something there specifically that really caught your eye in that performance by Donovan? Oh, absolutely. We all know Donovan is capable of these outbursts. I mean, he, you know, his rookie year first went to the scene in that Rocket series and, and really all year that rookie year and, and was impressive. Um, but what stood out to me last night or yesterday, I should say, in the afternoon game was just how shifty he was in the pick and roll. I think one thing that he's really improved on and, and kind of uh, enhanced in his game is the ability to get all the way to the rim and the the patience in the pick and roll after Rudy Gobert screens, after Joe Ingles screens, or, you know, whatever the case was, he wasn't settling for the jump shots. Um, he did take 15 threes, but he wasn't settling all, all game. He got to the rim quite a bit, got into the floater range, um, really, really put his imprint on the game. And, I, just I, to me, I think seeing him process the defense, seeing him break down what's happening in, in real time is definitely an improvement from the last couple of years. And it's a funny thing. Like I went to University of Louisville with Donovan. And I was in one class with him. And seeing him then, I did not even expect this to be in, in the realm of possibility. I didn't think anything that he is doing now would be possible in his game. And, boy, he's proven a lot of us wrong. I'm wondering if you've seen a difference since they've been in the bubble. Now, we obsess about the Jazz, and so we watch them at a high level in everything that they do. We dissect inside and out. But to me, he's been a different player since he's been down there. Oh, you're totally spot on there. And I think one thing that he decided, I need to pick up on this, or I need to uh, do a little bit better job, is finding Rudy. And although, although Gobert... I only had 11 attempts last night. He was just really, really effective. And I think his, Donovan's passing ability, it, that's been on display a lot in the bubble. I think ever since the scrimmage has started, he has been doing a really good job of finding his shooters, finding the role men. And just in general, I think the game has slowed down for Donovan. You're, you're totally right on that. Since he got down there, uh, things are happening in slow motion for him. It's not, it's not this rushed. Uh, it, every possession is not rushed like it was feeling prior to arriving in the bubble and even last year. I think I think Donovan had a down year in general this year to me, especially on defense, but, but he has totally picked that up since July 30th. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, join us. The one thing we've had explained to us here on this show is that this four-month stop – 
while they figured out you know how to play basketball in the COVID era and how to do the bubble and all that, was essentially an offseason for players. That while the coaches and the players couldn't have practices, you know, you can still have video sessions, you can still go over stuff. A few guys had access to gyms and could do some one-on-one work. Probably more guys had access than we know, whether it was a high school gym or a church gym or what. You know, the one way or another, they found a way around it. But that the video work and all that kind of stuff, the guys, rookies are second-year guys, second-year guys are third-year guys. Do you buy that? Is that why we're seeing guys like whether it's Porter making a leap forward or Donovan making a leap forward? You know, I kind of do. Um, I'm, I'm typically covering the Clippers throughout this playoff run, and one thing that uh, was said or has been said on, on the media availability calls is how much time they have to really dissect stuff. I mean, Doc Rivers was even saying, like, normally they don't have practice time like this throughout, throughout the season with the amount of back-to-backs, and, and I think road traveling is a big thing. And now since you're eliminating eliminating all of the uh, airport uh all the all the airport stuff, taking the buses to and from the arenas, from the hotels. Um, you're eliminating all of that, so that is just five or six extra hours of of time to dig into some film study or just talk to your assistant coaches. And I think that is something that goes unnoticed as well or not recognized is just how much time these superstars and these young players, Donovan included, Michael Porter Jr. included spend with their assistant coaches. And it's not always the head coach, not always the, the main guy. I mean, sometimes they'll, they'll just be sitting on the sidelines or, or sitting in their room on a laptop um, breaking down the last game or the last few games that they've seen of their opponent. So I, I think that that has been a real um, – uh, it's been a real big positive for this global situation. And who knows how next year is going to be. Next year we might be back to normal. I kind of doubt it. I think we might it, – it's still up in the air. So I think these players are and, and these coaches especially are loving the extra time to really talk to their guys, uh, talk to their team, and uh, hone in on fixing uh, you know, little things here and there. And, and that's how you win playoff games. Playoff games are won on the margins. They're not, they're not one um, – typically you're not going to see this big improvement from a player in the playoffs. It's going to be something small that they add into their game, and that's where the film study definitely comes into play. I think most of us, me included, recognizes the Clippers and Lakers as favorites to get out of the West. Can you put Denver in that category to any degree? I don't think you can. Um, I know a lot of Denver folks are going to be coming at me for that one, but I, I don't, I don't think you can because when it comes down to it, they have to go through with the Clippers if they want to get to the conference finals. And still, to this day, they don't have anyone that can handle a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you can – Jeremy Grant does a good job. Michael Porter Jr. has the size. But as we saw, um, I think as we saw in that, in that game one yesterday, like uh, the Jazz attacked Michael Porter Jr. and pick and roll quite a bit. And, and Michael Malone took him off the floor because of it. Um, it he was getting roasted. And, and Denver was giving up a lot of points per possession whenever – Mitchell and Gobert attacked Porter Jr. So um, I I don't think that that team can hold a candle to the Clippers, and that you know that's not such a bad thing. Whenever you consider if Denver is the third best team in the West, obviously Houston and and, and other teams have uh, have a nitpick there. But if Denver is the third best team in the West, not much you can do whenever the two teams in front of you are in the biggest market, 
with the biggest, um, you know, gravitational pull in LA. Like, it, Denver can really take pride in that, and they just have to they have to wait it out. They have to hope that you know the Lakers just aren't. They have to they have to hope LeBron takes a step back next year uh, for the Lakers. They have to hope that the Clippers have some internal stuff going on. So I think if Denver is just right there in third, there's not much you can do about that. Isn't that bad for the league in the long run? That ballpark two thirds. I mean, you can argue half or three quarters or whatever, but ballpark two thirds of the league is not in a place that you would think is ever going to have the gravitational pull to get superstars. And there are some teams that win through the draft, but most championships yeah. are won by acquiring free agency stays. You don't win with young guys, and by the time you're 30 and ready to win, you've been an unrestricted free agent. How bad is that for the league in the long run, you think? I think it's bad for the diehard fans. I don't, I don't necessarily think the casual fans that just love basketball are going to really care. Um, but then you see, like, obviously it, it is a bad situation when you talk about, like, Carl Towns is in Minnesota. That's not, that's not ever going to be a really deep competitive team. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the draft. I mean, it takes Utah getting Gobert and Mitchell, and that's how they have to build. You know, no real um, free agency uh, – there, there's, there, the free agency has not been a poll that they've been successful in, and then Denver. I think Denver is the homegrown team that they're just they're expecting all their guys. Um, without obviously Paul Millsap was uh, not homegrown there, but I mean they they're just banking on their player development. So yeah, it, I do agree. It's not it's not the greatest look because you're always going to have the California teams. You're always going to have um, you know even Miami. Uh, they with Jimmy Butler now signing there, it's 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 something where the big markets are always going to be out in front. It's been that way for the last forty or fifty years. I mean, you know, Lakers Celtics. Um, that's just how that, that's the biggest rivalry in the NBA NBA history. So uh, I'm I don't really expect that to change. And is it a problem? Yeah, to to a lot of us that that really love this league and care about the sport so much, but. I think just the average viewer, they're going to love basketball no matter what. That's just how I view it. How big of a break did the Clippers get with the Porzingis ejection? <laughs> it was huge. Um, I, I I am not one that typically says, if this guy would have been uh, not not ejected or if this guy would have been healthy, like then the game would have been different. But the game might have ended a, a little bit different, differently or the second half would have started differently because – the Mavericks lost all rhythm there, and they still made it competitive. But uh, the ejection was a was a bad one. Not not necessarily the ejection, just the second technical foul. Like the the refs have to know just to let things blow over, and they have to know in the back of their head, okay, Porzingis already has a technical, so let's let's just kind of give them some leeway. I'm not asking for you know the special treatment, but just some some leeway, uh, not give it to them right off the bat. So hey, but you got to credit Marcus Morris for. Causing a little bit of ruckus, and uh, I, he probably knew what he was up to there. So the Clippers just uh, kind of outsmarted Dallas last night. And Luka Doncic, <laughs> I, I swear, the, the fact that Luka Doncic is 21 or 20, I think he's 21 years old, and he's doing this type of damage in the playoffs uh, four years older than me, I, I, I don't understand how it's possible. So, hey, uh, hopefully the rest of the series is really fun and we have no other scuffles. Do you look back and wonder how the heck anybody passed on Luka Doncic? It seems incredibly <laughs> obvious. I mean, we heard, we didn't see a lot of him, but we heard from people who did, this guy is unbelievable, and he came right out of the gate and he was unbelievable, which makes me think, well, if you scouted him, you would have seen that. It was, 
Oh yeah. I I don't I don't necessarily blame Phoenix because Devin Booker was going to be a a ball handling guard that's going to have a high usage rate, and they really wanted to get. The, the, I'm not going to say they're Kobe and Shaq, but they wanted to get that parallel set up with Kobe and Shaq, and that's Booker and Aiton. So that that is understandable to some degree. But, yeah, you do wonder, like, what, what would Booker look like next to Luka Doncic? That would be just the, one of the sickest backcourts we've ever seen. And then you think, oh, Sacramento, uh, what did they say? Marvin Bagley third. So that's a horrible, horrible pick in retrospect. Considering Bagley can't even stay on the floor, he can't stay healthy. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it is it's remarkable that they that the Kings decided, oh, we're just going to pass on this guy because we haven't seen a lot of tape, or or uh, he hasn't played college basketball, so he he might not be ready. That that was completely bogus in in the time. How much time does Harold need to get ready to go for the Clippers? Because obviously they'll need more of him down the line. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'm curious what Doc Rivers' plan is for him. He played 15 minutes last night. Didn't look too bad, but didn't look too good either. Wasn't really running as hard as he can. Um, his conditioning might not be where it needs to be. I would say probably three or four games. Um, and that's and that seems wild, doesn't it? Because hey, if it was just you or me and we were uh, playing for the first time in months, you know, I think Montrez hasn't played since March 10th. We would need a full summer to get to get back into shape and get to get going. But for these professional athletes, I don't think it takes too long. I'm not sure. Maybe you have a different opinion on that. What is going to happen with Philadelphia? They're going to get a little bit of a pass in the playoffs this year because obviously they don't have Simmons. But they had one of the weirdest home road splits going. They got high expectations, and you know they're not top three in the East. Where, where are they going? a good question and uh, I'm wondering what uh, you all think of Philly's roster construction but I I don't I don't think that they I don't think their future is that great um, you know they, they have a lot of money tied up in Al Horford and Tobias Harris Tobias has looked good at times but still man that's that's a lot of money to be paying for guys that are underperforming both of those guys uh, Harrison and Horford underperforming and uh you know, contrary to popular belief, I think this series is actually be, going to be competitive. I picked Boston in six over Philly, and last night's game looked kind of like what I thought we would see is Philly's not just going to back down. Without Ben Simmons on the floor, they have a lot more shooting, a lot more spacing, can do a lot more stuff offensively. It's just they cannot they cannot contain uh, Jason Tatum in the full court, in the half court, or anything. And and whenever you start letting Boston fire up threes with, with uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker, it, it's a nightmare. So uh, the future is probably not too bright for Philly. Um, still going to be a good second-round team uh, as long as they have the, the talent they have. But as we're seeing, the Eastern Conference is actually really good right now. The Eastern Conference is picking up. Shane, we appreciate the time. Thanks for giving us a few minutes here, and enjoy the playoffs. Thanks. Anytime, DJ, BJ. Shane Young, NBA columnist, analyst for Forbes Sports, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, it sounds like he's uh, he's not with you so much on the Nuggets, but he's with you on the Clippers. The Clippers? Yeah. See, that's where, the, where I, mean, I think you have to be hardcore to enjoy this kind of stuff. It's kind of college footballish, actually. 
if the Clippers really do separate themselves head and shoulders here and win it, I would still be really intrigued, and we're not going to get it, but I'd be intrigued to see the Nuggets play the Lakers or the Nuggets play the Rockets. You know, how close are they? Is there one team that's better than everybody, but really there's no gap between two, three, and four? Because the perception is one and two have pulled away from three and four. That's not what the standings said. Actually, had the Lakers kind of pulling away from the Clippers. But I think anybody who was watching this year saw the Clippers pacing themselves, you know, and they're, you know, head to head with the Lakers. If you watch those games, there's not a big gap there. And there's an argument to be made that the, the Clippers can you know, knock the Lakers off in five or six, even. Um, Laker fans don't want to hear that. And it may not be true, but there's an argument to be made, whether, it's, whether it plays out that way or not. Um, but I am curious how close the Nuggets are. Well, I don't judge anything by the regular season when it comes to the top teams on the separation. I judge of what I see now and what could be when they play each other because then you know once i start going we know Kawhi leonard is uh, him and Embiid are probably the most uh pronounced or most aware uh, load management guys that we have in this league there's those two come to mind so but once i go down that road I, uh, then I, I have to just start researching everything and what difference does it make i'd rather look ahead rather than look behind yeah. and it's to me the Den- the Nuggets are the third best team in the conference, and that's not based on standings and whatnot. That's based on what I see, and usually those two things actually come close to evening out anyway. Uh, but I don't know if they're capable of giving the Clippers and Lakers a good run. I think they would have to have all their guys. They don't have all their guys right now. Uh, and I don't think like the Clippers are just... You know, the, the, the Showtime Lakers by any stretch either. Uh, I just think they have a little better talent uh, than the Lakers. Just a little bit more. Now, the Lakers have the best player, and you could argue they have the second best player. I'd probably go Leonard, but I think you can argue Anthony Davis. I'm interested to see what Anthony Davis does in really big games, because I don't know. I haven't seen him in really big games. I haven't seen him when the expectation has been to win and win at a high level. I don't think he's ever been in that situation when he's been in the pros, since he's been in the pros. So I have to see that a little bit. Obviously, we know LeBron has been in that situation just about every year of his NBA life. So he's answered that question many times over. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has answered that question. Paul George hasn't. And I'm trying to think on the Clippers roster. Has anybody else answered that question? Anybody come to mind? Am I missing somebody? that played in huge, huge playoff games. I'd go back to the Lakers and go back to Danny Green. He's been in huge, huge playoff games. Put him in there. Yeah, he's secondary guy. Yeah, absolutely, sure. as, yeah. as a role, but that's the role yeah. he's going to have yeah. now. Yeah. I, I think that's the interesting thing about the Lakers and Clippers is both their stars should be trusted at the highest level uh, because you know combined they're sitting on five championships, so they, those two guys should be trusted at the highest level. But the second player on each team – you know, if you have some gut instinct that now they're going to be able to do it, well, it is a different situation and a, a better situation. They're playing alongside a better player than they've ever played on before. So that could make it easier for them. But if you want to argue that neither of these guys have ever done it, well, you're spot on because neither of these guys has ever done it. So it's a uh, it's fascinating debate, and it's left. And, and you can argue anything right now, and you've got enough to make your case. You don't have enough to seal the deal on your case, which makes it all the more beautiful if you just want to, you know, let out your inner jersey and argue forever. 
because AD hasn't had the stage to do it on. Paul George has had a bigger stage than AD and has come up short, but he's also never been alongside a player like Kawhi who's going to take some of the pressure off him. Now, there'll be more pressure heaped back on him because he hasn't been in the finals before. And presumably that you know could be where they're headed. You know, that conference final is going to feel like an NBA final, even though it isn't, I think. Well, no, they always should. Uh, you shouldn't. I, I don't. You would hope be. they are. I don't think yeah. they always are. Uh, but you would hope it. Well, that's what I said. That's yeah. why they should. I didn't say that they are. Uh, it should be as competitive as could possibly be. I, I, I hate one of the things I don't like is when there's no mystery in sports. Yeah. And we talked about the Utes for so many years. You'd wake up on a Saturday and you you knew they were going to kill New Mexico and and Vegas and blah blah blah, so forth and so on. Well, now you don't get that, and that's what makes it fun. That's why I'm going to just drastically miss that. In a few weeks, wake up on a Saturday morning and you tell me there's no Ute football. That that's a major blow in my life, and I'm not even the hardcore Ute fan, but I'm a hardcore college football fan. It's the same thing. I want some mystery. I want I don't want to know who's going to win. I want to find out who's going to win. And and also too, I would give the Clippers the edge once you get past the two stars at the top. I think that's where the Clippers have the biggest edge because I don't know that they have the edge on uh, stars one and two. No, I don't either. You don't but, know how big LeBron is going to come up in the clutch. You're right, the Clippers have better depth. Yeah. Uh, but so often, these are not decided all that much by depth, decided by the play of the star. Now, if the star gets doubled, you know, another guy has to be able to hit an open shot, make a pressure free throw, uh, you know, grab a rebound, you know, not dribble off a shoe on a fast break with the game on the line. You know, so, I mean, the role players have to be able to do their thing, but you just can't oversell them. No, well, I think that's what made the Bulls what they were, is everybody did what he was supposed to right. do. Robin grabbed the rebound, Kerr hit the shot, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. More on the playoffs coming up. Ben Anderson, jazz writer for KSLSports.com, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. And coming up next, we got more of your reaction. A lot of people tweeting their feedback. Your take on Game 2, Nuggets winning OT. Again, fourth time the Jazz have played the Nuggets this year. Fourth time the Nuggets have executed right at the end of the game and found a way to pull it out. What are the Jazz going to have to do to break through? What are you feeling now that you watch them go down to defeat again? And, of course, your feedback on Donovan going for 57. That's next. Stay with us. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. NBA playoffs kick off with four games. The best one was the first one, the Jazz and the Nuggets going to overtime. Donovan Mitchell, 57 points, but Jamal Murray got hot down the stretch. And the Nuggets pull it out in overtime, 135-125, the final score. The controversy of the day, Chris Depps, Porzingis, should he have been kicked out by the letter of the law? Sure. But in a playoff game, really? 118-110 the final. The Clippers beat the Mavericks. Porzingis kicked out in the third quarter. Over in the East, as expected, the second and third seeds win. The Raptors take down the Nets, 134-110. Fred VanVleet, 30 points. Jason Tatum went for 32 as the Celtics beat the Sixers, 109-101. Gordon Hayward hurt his right ankle, spotted leaving the arena on crutches afterwards, expected to have an MRI. Four more playoff games today. Thunder and Rockets on TNT at 4.30. The Blazers and the Lakers on TNT at 7 o'clock. 
That's your back to basketball update. And it is brought to you by Zions Bank. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. I... We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was... in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got gotcha. you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, your feedback, a lot of you weighing in. You watched that jazz game. You saw Donovan go for 57. You were thrilled. You were entertained. And then the Nuggets won the game again. So some of you are bitterly disappointed. But not everyone is having that. Jeff is simply going to celebrate the great Donovan Mitchell game. It was 57. Jeff's not going to get himself dragged down by the outcome. He's there for the entertainment PK. And the young superstar delivered the way a veteran superstar is expected to deliver. Okay, I agree with that. Papa Dave says, I'm just going to sit back and wait for the next one, and then I'm going to watch that game. <laughs> I, I guess that too. I guess the life is pretty simple at times. Yeah. I, it, this thing here, even in defeat, I'm speaking of the series rather than individual games, but it really has something to be said for what Mitchell can do. I don't know that he's going to play to this level. But if he does, and I'm not looking at 57, I mean, that was, that's off the charts, obviously. But if he elevates his game consistently in the postseason, because he didn't really have an ele- a chance to elevate his game consistently in the seeding games because he didn't play as much. You know, we understand all that. Well, now here, no one's going to have any load management that I'm aware of. So if he elevates his game consistently in this playoff series, boy, that just sets the table for all sorts of excitement and let your imagination run wild because uh, if he does that. Because at that point, uh, let's just say he plays at an, just an incredible level in this playoff series, win or lose. In the West, what guard are you taking above him? Huh. Nobody. Name me a guard that you would take above him. Nobody. Nobody. I just keep saying nobody Nobody. in a quieter voice. A quieter, more dramatic. Nobody. It is more dramatic, isn't it? It is. (laughs) I I, I struck something. I fell in, as you always say, the longer I talk, I usually fall into something. Nobody. And and so, yeah, I think it it just, it does add to more dramatic. I I do like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just think you got to argue with yourself here, though, because positionless basketball is more of a thing. And by any traditional definition of height, Kawhi Leonard isn't a guard, but watch him play a game. Look at the way he handles the ball. He's not a guard. 
He can be if he wants to be. I mean, he's he's moved right into LeBron territory. He can be if he wants to be. Do I think Kawhi Leonard can take the ball 30 feet from the hoop, change direction twice, and score off the dribble? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can he fine. shoot it? Good for can you. Can he shoot the three under pressure like anybody else? Yeah. If he needs to hop that ball on the rim two or three times and wish it in, we've all seen him do it. You know, I'm, I'm not one who does a lot of the, uh, you know, how much is hoping and wishing going to get anything done? I've rooted for teams. Uh, we always talk about how, you know, I, as, a, as a kid, I was that 12-year-old fan, right? I was that 8-year-old kid living and dying with the local team, and you didn't do that. Well, I wished as hard as I could, and it didn't have any impact. <laughs> it didn't, you know, if wishing made them champions, oh, my teams would have won. So but that's my very point. Yeah, it's wishing is open and wishing. But somehow, the actual evidence. Somehow, Kawhi Leonard defies all the laws of physics and gravity, and he can crouch down in the quarter and will the ball into the hoop. And he had Tim Duncan with him, and he beat a watered down Warriors team. Yeah, but that was against Philly, so you got to come up with something for that. <laughs> that particular oh, yeah, I'm not, shot. I'm just. But no those, doubt, these no types doubt of about things it. Mitchell yeah. can do. Yeah, if you get if some of the built-in advantages. This, if he does this consistently now. Oh, but see, I think it's better than this. And that doesn't mean that he's going to go out and score 58. I don't mean that. I just think that he is focused like a laser on being better in the biggest moments. You know, they could be in another game and he won't need 57 to win it. And maybe he'll need 33 to win it. Or whatever. But he'll be in plenty of playoff games that are in the balance in the final five minutes, in the final two minutes, or on the final possession. And to be really good in that moment. You know, lots of people were looking at the, uh, the eight-second call. And he'd already processed it, been mad at himself. By the time he came out, man, talk about even keel. He had two chances. Well, you know, Rudy Tudson, now is like, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the point guard. The, the number's right up there. You know, it's on me. And you're right. The coaches could have yelled at him, and that would have helped, right? It would have snapped him out of that because he, he was worried about Joe in that moment. But the thing is, he doesn't worry about any of that. He's just thinking, what do I have to do to make sure we win? You know, and he went right to, hey, when the double team comes, he split it and he lost it off his shoe. He's already saying he gets in that. And so... His ability to not be too high, not be too low, take ownership of the stuff that goes wrong, whether it's 0%, 20%, 80% him. I just think that bodes really well for the future. You know, he wasn't caught up in the 57. It was like one play, two plays, we win the game. Yeah, I'm more concerned about what he does in the game rather than what he says after the game. And I thought that one of the underrated things is to look. it looked like in the first quarter the game was going to get away from him as they went into the second quarter, and he's only got two points. Yep. Well, instead of waiting to turn it on, he needed it right then. And he delivered a second quarter that was awesome. So it removed doubt as far as the Jazz. Well, we're not going to get blown out here. No. We're going to compete right to the end. And so I thought his second quarter was sensational, and he took it upon himself to make sure that the Jazz were going to be competitive in this game. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I tweeted it out. He had two points on one of five shooting. And when you're missing two of your five sh- starters, and you're missing two guys who can score the way Bogdanovich and Conley can score, you can't have Donovan Mitchell playing that poorly for very long. And you're right about that second quarter. I can't remember if he had uh, 19 and a half or 19 in the quarter. Uh, but either way, he had an enormous second quarter. He hit a three, and then he threw down a dunk. 
uh, and talk about the change of direction and making a guy miss and all that. And like when he ran down that court after the dunk, there was that little feeling like that might have just gotten him untracked. You know, he's now scored outside, he scored inside. It, he, he, could, he could get on a little bit of a roll here. And they were down 43, 33, or 35, or whatever it is. And he was like a one-man wrecking crew. He scored on every possession and tied the game up. And, you know, it's more noticeable when someone ties on, scores on every possession in the last five minutes, which he also seemed to do. But I thought in that, that one stretch to get the game, and, and the game got away from him. I mean, it went right back. The Nuggets had a 7-0 run. But I just thought in that moment already, it's like, wow, how far is he going to try and drag this bus? You know, he is already carrying the load in the second quarter. He had it going after not having anything in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was huge, too. Yes, absolutely. My friend here is an emerging superstar. Those are the facts. And I think we're going to see it. We're going to see it every game. Awesome. That's exciting. That's what you need. This We were looking for him to have a breakout season. He sort of did, but more importantly, is a breakout playoff. That's where it matters the most. That's where it's all about. That's where everything counts, all the attention, you name it. And I realize it's the first round, and it's not about being sensational exclusively in the first round. But under this circumstance, when you take two guys out, you know, the first round may all that you have. Maybe all that's all you got. Through no fault of him. They didn't lose this game because of Donovan Mitchell. That's for sure. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care about the turnover. I don't care about the eight-second rule. They did not lose this game because of Donovan Mitchell. Not at all. Although if they would have won, and you don't win exclusively by yourself, a large portion of if they would have won would have been Donovan Mitchell. And you need that top-end talent. And they haven't had this top-end talent since the statues. Yeah, not like this. I mean, this dwarfs. I mean, uh, you know, D. Will and Carlos Boozer played well, but not like this. This is uh, this yeah. is another level. Well, Kerr had a moment. Uh, Karolinko had a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and those there have been, all there been other good players along the way, but not like this. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly, and that's that's what you need. That's the the reality of it is that's what you need, and I think we're seeing it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he falls flat. But Ma- Mario's been a hardcore listener and a longtime tweeter, uh, and he tweets in. I'm just going to be happy with Donovan's performance. I mean, it's not like we're actually going to win this series, so we got to find something to be happy about. Donovan's development, poison for next year. You know, they they. Uh, and we have someone who's, I, I can't find it now. We have someone texting us or hitting us up on Facebook with uh, bringing the bulldozers, <laughs> which mean? I assume that that's a Laker fan taunting jazz fans like break up your team. You're never going to be good enough. Bringing the bulldozers means just like totally, you know, blow up the roster and start over again. I want to. We got so many replies, I can't find it right now, but it's in here somewhere. Start over again. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay. First off, the whole NBA. Is even, the whole NBA is bringing in the bulldozers in another year. There are so many teams with cap room. There are so many star players whose contracts are coming up. And maybe everybody will stay put and won't be that dramatic. Maybe you know, there'll be a little bit of movement or whatever. But there could also be massive reorganization, right? And it, it'll, teams will have cap room. There could be trades. You know, and the Jazz have a lot of contracts coming up. So if that's your mood, if that's what you want, well, just 
Brace yourself for next summer because the whole league could be gearing up for it then. Uh, there's no telling what's going to happen. But right now, it's like this really does set the stage for next year. And I think for that's true for a lot of teams. Maybe not for the Lakers because LeBron is older. And at some point, you would think his play is going to fall off due to age. I mean, the guy's beating the odds now, so who's to say? But everybody else, I think a lot of other teams, you can say they should be as good or better. Now, that may not play on the wins and losses because if everybody is good, right, you're not, you're not making up ground. But this, this old building thing, so it is easy right now to say the Jazz are down two starters. If Donovan takes a huge step forward, then it just sets them up better for next year, which, you know, granted, people are saying that in other cities around the league as well. All right, DJ and PK, more of your feedback coming up. Stay with us. been a long four months. Welcome. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our team is really competitive. You know, they want to win. And you, you obviously saw that manifest itself in a lot of ways. And it didn't with our ball security late. But we were in a position to win the game, particularly at the end of the fourth quarter, and made a few plays that, that cost us. Join the big show Thursday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! That's Quinn Snyder right there. His take after the game. You know, we got a lot of serious takes, and we got a lot of fan takes, and we got people who think they're funny, PK. We got a yeah, lot of people I, saying the Jazz just have to win game two and get a split on the road. I and, told you. And we got like 17 of those on Facebook, and now I got like 10 of them on Twitter. Okay, people. We got it. We see what we're doing. They're funny, but the reality is, guys, the only people who think you're funny is your wife. That's it. No one else thinks you're funny. So stop. If you're so funny, go get a job being funny. Knock it off. You're not. Quit it. You're stupid when it comes to that. (laughs) Am I making myself clear? Nope. I haven't figured it out yet. You got to sell a little harder. Man, you think there's two things. All of our listeners do. They think they, they think they know sports, particularly hoop, and they think they're funny. Well, Clint thinks he knows basketball, and uh, he's been listening to the show for a long time, and he comes with this take. Are you ready? Jazz fans, you should only be disappointed if you had expectations to win the series, which many Jazz fans actually seem to believe, inexplicably. You can't run from the basketball gods. The basketball gods, Costum Bogdanovich and Conley. And you can't run from them. They always inevitable. So don't be disappointed because Donovan went off. That's the moral of that story. Well, why can't you be both? Well, because in Clint's mind, you're always going to lose the series anyway. No, yeah, but it's not about the series. It's about game one. Yeah. And if you're going to shock the world, then win a game early, put pressure on the team that is the heavy and obvious favorite and see if the pressure helps them, helps you crack them. And you can make an argument two years ago, that's how they got Oklahoma City. Win early, put some pressure on, and, and that helped beat them, right? Paul George numbers kept dropping the more the pressure grew. Well, yeah, that's why I think that this series, that this whole playoff system here is not the best. And I know Locke's been running around saying it's going to be the greatest. And I just don't see it because – 
you're not going to have that form of pressure. I like it when the road team gets split in the first two games because we've seen it here. You just referenced it, and then you're we're doing the pregame show out on the plaza game three. The anticipation, the excitement oh, it's is through, through the roof. The roof. Yeah, it really <laughs> right. is. Because, hey, man, we now have home court. We just spent six, eight months, and now we got it. Yeah. And now you have to win here. And this is the toughest place because we got the craziest fans and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, my goodness, the electricity is it just like it would be like uh, you were uh, in the arena and the Beatles had reunited, and two of them came back from the dead, and there were, and the lights went out. Okay, so I'm with you on that, and I'm really missing that anticipation. And there's, I just don't feel the buzz around town because it doesn't literally, physically, just especially working downtown. And we do the radio show in the arena, and the TV station is on Main Street, so I'm right in the middle of it all the time. And so that's definitely missing. You know, 11:30 in the morning on a neutral court, there's nothing with no fans. There's nothing about that that says NBA playoffs that completely wrecks the show around the game that helps build the energy but having said that I mean even in the second and third quarter of the game weren't you sucked into that game that was an easy game to watch even before you get to the end of the game drama sure which that's sucks two everybody things, though you were talking about putting pressure on oh yeah, yeah 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 yes oh yeah and the oh, pressure the competition has been phenomenal yeah Yes, absolutely. Absolutely love the competition. And that, to me, that's why I'm into it even more so, because I'm not into this pressure on the players, because in the the final analysis, it doesn't matter to me who wins. I'm in for great competition, and that's where I agree with Locke. This has been phenomenal competition. We've seen some phenomenal games, and that, to me, that matters more as a non-traditional fan. I'm about the competition. But the whole idea of, oh, man, now we got to go get one at third place, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you have that game, that mental game that goes back and forth. That's fun. And we don't have that. And we all miss that. I, and I, I miss it, too. But the actual competition on the floor, zero complaints. And zero complaints about yesterday. And I don't well, look at it about the, the Jazz winning the series. I look at it. They had the ball. They're up by four with less than two minutes to go. They should have won that ball game. That's, that's where I'm looking at it. And then we'll get to tomorrow, and then we'll see how that game plays out too. I, but in my mind, after game one, I'm not thinking about, oh, they're going to win the series or they're going to lose the series. Once they, you know, as the season, as the series progresses, we'll get to that point, obviously. But we're not there right now. I did have one complaint about the competition yesterday, and that was Kristaps Porzingis going away in the third quarter when he was ejected. There was, and by the letter of the law, you can sit around and argue. And they brought Steve Javion, and he argued the letter of the law. Of course, Kristaps Porzingis shouldn't be kicked out of the third quarter of a playoff game unless he just smacks somebody in the face. I mean, I don't know who Steve Javi is. He's, he's, he's a former referee, ref. I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, and Van Gundy, when they have him on, he's going to defend all coaches. We, we get how that works. Defend your own. We understand that. But if you go back and read Morse's thing, they, I don't think they should have kicked him out. And, <laughs> LeBron and, went <laughs> off on Twitter immediately. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can argue he has a little bit at stake. He does. Probably see da- want to see Dallas, uh, but it's probably also too a form of objectivity. With uh, what, what, I, what I call objectivity is most pe- uh, some people have a form of objectivity with bias sprinkled in, and so obviously yeah, it wouldn't bother that. him if, Di- if Dallas knocked the Clippers out of the playoffs. No, but <laughs> so Morris himself, 
the guy who was involved in it said he wouldn't have thrown him out. Yeah, and that was that was re- uh, that, that's not about competition though. That's uh, a referee's decision, and that was just a brutal decision. They should have taken into account that he'd already had a tee and back off because you're going to have a significant say on the outcome of the game, and that's the last thing you want to do as a referee. Absolutely not. You do not want. You have to have that uh, form of discretion. And they didn't have it, and that sucked for Dallas. If I'm Dallas this morning, I'm freaking furious. Now you got to get past it because you got game two going on there, and there were other reasons why they lost. You know, Doncic's talking about his double-digit turnovers and whatnot. But that was a pathetic rule from a competition standpoint. From a fan standpoint, I want to see that guy play the game. If they win, so be it. I mean, I really don't care who wins. I just, but I want to see your best shot against my best shot and see what happens. Coming up next, Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. He's going to join us. We'll talk Jazz and Nuggets and Donovan Mitchell's 57 points with him. What's got to change in Game 2 to level this series up? We'll talk with him next. Stay with us.